too many Tic Tacs in the town. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the 3.38 starting time. Please welcome from Toronto, Ontario, Canada, Matthew Wiley. Play away, please. I don't know. I don't. I don't know if we. That wasn't a great pod, was it? You want to run it back? Golflandia 216. I think. I don't remember doing 215. I don't remember doing 214 episodes, let alone 215. So whatever. We'll stick with 216. Golflandia 216. This is recording number two. Number two, because last night's failed. And that's unfortunate because the story with Josh at Circling the Drain on Twitter an elite DFS player mind and funny man had some tech. He had some technical difficulties and we missed the story of how he threw up Reese's pieces at the Top Gun movie premiere the other day. Moscow mules, Reese's pieces, barf bag. It was a great story. A story for the ages. And by the way, no, it's not not Reese's Pieces, you animals. The Reese's Pieces pronouncers are... that Nothing infuriates me more than that. <clears throat> or people who say lose with two O's. But the Reese's Pieces, Reese's Pieces... Speaking of stomach issues, 100%, this is Milkshake Week at Muirfield. Everyone's talking the milkshakes. Instagrams, you know, fake drinking. They have to do it and acknowledge it because it is the Memorial Week. But 100%, if you give me a strawberry cuckoo nut milkshake pre-round in 100-degree heat, that thing... He's a coming back up. No doubt. Andy, Dirty Rush on Twitter, who thinks mango is the best fruit on earth. What? He actually had a poll. He actually, and and and, and mango got 40% of the vote, and he said it's mango, and, a, and there's a giant gap for a second. <laughs> He'd have a mango milkshake. <laughs> I can't even discuss it without choking. You boys ready to hit the first day? Here's a glass of mango milk. Here's a glass. Here's a glass straight from a cow's udder. Wolfskers. Milk people. Reese's Pieces pronouncing people. Find a new planet. My late night gambit as I was trying to figure out content this week <clears throat> that got deleted or had to be deleted at least. My late night gambit now is, and I still don't know if I'm using the word gambit correctly, is jumping 
in on credible people's spaces, Twitter spaces at night. Like Peter Jennings had one. I just jumped in instead of a speaker and then, or Pat Mayo had one last night on the live tour, jumped in, asked to be a speaker, then took over the whole conversation. Shocker. Get over yourself, Wiley. So I apologize last night, Pat. Uh, but I find that that's my newest thing to do. And I, I kind of enjoy Twitter spaces late at night. It's kind of a, you know, it's an ASMR soothing dialogue. And I think it's sometimes more effective than and unintrusive than even doing the live stream video. Um, you know, check in, check out, add new speakers. People have things to say. And you hear from people you see on Twitter a lot. Um, and people had some really nice, kind things to say. And, you know, I think it's a cool platform. I think we should do it more often. Patrick, Mayo, Maya. But we did talk about the Live Tour, and I'm not going to dwell on it a lot, but I think, I, think the, I think there's a predicament now. Um, I, I believe that the calculus on Bryson leaving, being he's sort of a goofy guy, um, unpredictable and, you know, made sense if you're going to be offered a quarter billion dollars to go, go, uh, which is, you know, around the numbers that, you know, we had been hearing Phil, of course, you know, do legacy number two, make a bunch, bunch of more money. He may need some, um, the whole Bryson adopting Jesus now is a huge plot twist too. But those two guys, Sergio Poulter, the guy Westwood, the guys in which they ended up doing in their in the twilight of their career made sense. It made sense. But the calculus with DJ going now is interesting in that DJ is a still a prime time top five draw. Uh he he just garners so much attention. Um and he's gone now, suddenly. I don't know what that means for his PGA Tour career, but he's gone to the live tour, at least for now. That's a big deal. Uh, DJ is a draw, and he's still in prime you know, career. He still has a lot of years to go. Um, Sergio, and then Sergio mouthing off a few weeks ago, saying he could hardly wait to leave this tour in two weeks. I mean, this is a guy, a Hall of Fame player. Love him or hate him. I mean, he's been on the tour, has been his family for how many years now? 23? That's, that's, uh, who is the animus towards? I mean, is it, is it the fact, the scheduling, the low purses, the amount of, the amount of money that it costs them to do these tournaments and they just can't justify it anymore? There's something, there's certainly something, and and then you have the younger player, like a Gooch, is a rising star, and he's gone. So this is tranche one. I, you know, we had heard up, upwards of seventy players may leave. We had heard that you know guys like Tom Hoagie being offered twenty, thirty million dollars just to play. I mean, that's career earnings stuff. So, I mean, the discussion last night was, what's what's their goal? What's the Saudis' goal? I mean, ultimately, I think it's to make money. Sure, I mean, this is they're going to make this perhaps, or their their thinking is a a truly global game with global audience, international TV, and you could probably justify this spend at some point. But you look at look at the horse sales in Lexington 
at Tampa for thoroughbreds. Like it's a two-year-old sales in Tampa, which we were at in, in April. I mean, some of these Saudi guys spend two plus million on unproven horses, unraced horses. Why? Because they can. <laughs> they just have the dough. <laughs> and uh, it's big game trophy hunting. And I, you know, throw a bunch of money at it now and let's see where it goes. They've got a war chest to defend legal battles. So you're not going to win them in that game. And then if you have, and then if you have like a Kong Watmai, for instance, for Cherry Kong Watmai, he's a good young player, but, you know, he couldn't make it on the PGA tour, certainly in, in, in these competitive fields. But now you've got these young guys, you know, could never make the PGA tour winning $10 million or so. For top five, what are, I mean, DJ makes this a lot more palatable for some of these players who may be on the fence now that he's over there um, because he's going to take the first arrows here as to why you, why did you go ahead and do that? But I don't think that's going to rest well with some of these PGA tour players grinding out week to week when some inferior players are winning 10 million. And I think that's what they're thinking. Ultimately, they're just going to, you know, be a magnet for some of these players. And the PGA tour is going to have to probably give up a lot unless they want to just release all their players. That would be my thinking, or it could fizzle. Entirely. And, you know, these players who left first, their legacy is tarnished. Who knows? But money is a very, very uh, big influencer. And, you know, to play in a shorter schedule and make, you know, lifetime career, life-changing money in one year, of course. And the PGA, you know, the championship, I didn't, do a podcast since then, but it did no favors with the fans early on with the app. Uh, I mean, the event was great, but you know, that's just a recognition of sometimes you have infinite resources and time. The most important signature appliance for players, people who are watching these events is the app, especially people playing fantasy sports or, or betting. And it was, and I don't like app bashing content. We used to do that all the time. I think it's kind of tired. I'd rather support these leagues instead of, you know, tearing it down all the time. And I'm guilty of that too. But you couldn't have had a worse release than that, than that app. It was unusable. It was embarrassing. And, you know, in a in a in a small way or a large way, that is that is representative of how your league views its customer and and perhaps you know squaring this all up is that the live tour may provide the healthy necessary competition for the pga tour to really improve itself and i think a lot of people have said that all along and it could turn out to be right uh, the leafs the toronto maple leafs never haven't won a cup in what 55 years good example um why don't they have to because the fans are going to pay the money to go anyway. They're still going to get the massive TV contracts. They're going to, it doesn't, they don't have to win. 
And, um, you know, it's the best thing I've always said for a team like that, who I've followed since I was one years old, is another team in Toronto for competition. But, you know, the PGA Tour app for the championship, their signature, their signature major, you have Y.E. Yang as Ryan Palmer on the app. You have 12 holes on the front nine. It, it was bad. Yep, you can't have that attitude. You can't just be the only game in town. Let's not innovate. Let's just sit on this throne of money. Let's not take too many risks. Just don't mess it up. They're going to come anyway. They're going to play. They're going to come. They're going to spend money. Uh, this changes the game a lot, and it changes it overnight and quickly. You're certainly not going to spend the live tour. That's for sure. That is for sure. Unless I don't know something. So, but these guys who have, I mean, DJ, what made the claim that he wasn't going to go? Now he's gone. So now you got Chase Kepka on the tour. What's Brooks going to do? I mean. You know, but Muirfield's this week. Sad that the recording got dumped, but we did a new one with Ryan. He came through clutch Ryan Bariff. Um We did another recording, but this week is all about, listen, it's every week ball striking, every week tree line parking this, every week putting. This is uh, a very high-end version of that on a big, rugged test on the PGA Tour. You know, Jack likes to, you know, push it, have a little carnage. Uh, green's rolling insane speeds. Um, a little torture with the water all around the course. You know, you're going to have a minus 13, perhaps minus 9, maybe minus 15 type winner, which is, you know, for the PGA Tour, that's a, that's a pretty low score. Or high score. Not a, not as good of a score as what you could see week to week. Like at a Barbasol minus 28, minus 32. So let's talk to Ryan and get through this week. Brought to you by, this week's brought to you by Yoplait. Yoplait yogurt. Drink a gallon today. Drink a gallon and hit the first tee. It's also brought to you by Manscaped, but I can't talk about it yet because I need to get, I need to experience the Manscaped stuff first before I can do a proper read and give away a code for you guys and gals. Or guys, it's Manscaped. Man, you nailed it with me as a sponsor. All right, let's talk to Ryan. All right, re-record of the uh, uh, Golflandia segment with Ryan Bariff. No Josh this time. A little bit of a sad. user sad user error last night. We couldn't, the sound was unusable uh, because he cut out a couple of times. And it's unfortunate because he told a story about how he ate Reese's Pieces and what? Gin at a Top Gun movie and puked. Yeah, Reese's Pieces, Maverick, and uh, Moscow Mules. Interesting <laughs> combo. But what what part made him sick? Did he eat too? I many? think I think the quantity for sure. He, I mean, you get those kind of movie jumbo packs. Sounds like he went to town on those. Um, 
so so I said, okay, Ryan, it's it's 11 a.m. on Wednesday. Let's just rip one if we can for 15 minutes. And you're kindly kind enough to come back on and do that. I did put a a, a tweet out that said, if you want to be a guest right now and have the guts, <laughs> speak now. So I may send out a link to someone and see if they pop up and then have them just jump on while we're talking. Um, but so this week, I think, I think a lot of people have weighed in on this live tour stuff. And I did earlier in the podcast and we did talk about it last night, but this DJ thing is a huge concern. I would say, wouldn't you? Absolutely. I think, um, yeah, I mean, not just the kind of name that he is, but the fact that he or his team put out that statement a couple months ago, basically saying that he wasn't going and here you are. So what does that mean for like a Kepka now that his brother's on there? That's an interesting name. You know, we, we really haven't heard much from Brooks. I mean, we don't hear a lot from Brooks. Um, I feel like I would be surprised. Uh, he doesn't seem like the type of guy who is going to chase the money. He's always seen, he seemed like a guy who plays for the majors and, and, and wants a legacy. So I would be surprised if uh, Brooks went. Unless they force the PGA Tour's hand and say, listen, you're going to have to let us go and not revoke our PGA yeah. Tour status. Because, I, I mean, how are they going to have like a, like a Kung Wat Mai winning 10 million for second every week and be okay with that. Yeah. Um, it's, yeah. I mean, it's, 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 it's interesting, but I think that's part of, that's part of the marketing push here by live is that they want the top players seeing that guys who they're better than are making a shit ton of money. Um, and even if they're not going to play all, all eight events or not going to play this first event, there's still a handful more events later after the majors that I, I think you'll see more guys come over. This week, though, Muirfield, um, it is a pretty stacked field. And certainly the buzz will be about the live tour and at least, and I don't think, I think that's just the first tranche of PGA players that have announced. But uh, yeah. if I, I genuinely believe that this whole sort of mystery with Bryson playing what once in the last eight months, it seems, I, I, I think I think he's gone. Too. Um, it's it's interesting timing for him to make his return here, where you know, yes, he's coming off the surgery and he's been hurt, but to play at at Jack's place the week the live field gets announced, the week before the first live event. Um, for now, for now, he's in the field, right? Yeah, yeah, and and of course, as you know, there are spots open in in, in that live field that they haven't announced yet. So, sure, wouldn't be surprised to see Bryson Phil. Uh, maybe a guy like Paul Casey, kind of those sorts of names. So um, I said on Twitter, the course notes here, we have we have pretty pretty in-depth course notes for this this mm-hmm. week. We've seen this tournament a lot. Uh, we have seen heartbreak on 18 for two guys. Well, really, I mean, 2017, Ben on Kyle Stanley, or was that 2018? When Bryson won here, mm-hmm. speaking of why he would be back, um, sort of an obligation to Jack and his legacy. I don't think you should, if you're a recent winner, you probably should come back. Yeah. But um, this is a big rugged test on, on a all American tree line parklands, mm-hmm. right? Ball striker, <laughs> course, and find a hot butter. But um, this is a approach type course, second shot course, gnarly rough, small greens, Heavily, heavily bunkered, meandering water, meandering creek, 
big water on par threes and on signature holes in the back nine, 12 and 16. Uh, that's where rounds go to die. Yep. Um, the, a few of the par fives are scorable and kind of must scorable, but you can explode on, I think, no, is it number 11? Maybe a little more. So number 11 that? will kind of depend, you know, that one has the, the, like the Creek meandering up there, but I mean, there are certainly guys that can reach it, but number 15, I think is, is the one where you'll see some Eagles. Yeah. Sure. Right. So, so, but it's not, it's, I mean, there's a lot of hybrids, not a lot, but there's hybrids and irons off the tee. I mean, you've yeah. seen some shorter hitters win here. Um, it's not necessarily all bombers course, and but you need to be a pretty good driver of the ball. But you're going to have to bring your all-around tee to green game. That's why you look at Rom wins, Cantlay wins, Morikawa, different tournament, but he won here. Easier setup. Um, and it's going to be in minus 13 type-ish winner. And, you know, remember last year, I think it was last year, I think Jack watered the greens enough. Yeah. So they didn't die. But I had in my notes, they were rolling a 15. That could be a hyperbole for me, <laughs> but it was fast. Yeah. The year Morikawa won uh, when they did, uh, I guess, I guess the 2020, when they did the work day and then the memorial the very next week, those greens flipped a bit uh, right between those events. They and sure did. I think you saw it. So, I mean, they got burned out, but I mean, Morikawa gained about five strokes putting when he won at workday the very next week on the same greens, he lost eight strokes putting. Um, yes, there's some randomness in there, but yeah, Jack likes making this course tough. And I think over the last handful of years, you've seen that you've seen that with the types of winners that you have. I mean, the ROMs, obviously he won, but didn't win Patrick Cantley winning tight uh, twice, Bryson, like you're seeing the top names win here. And I think it's because he's making the course harder. So I start there with Morikawa. I just put a tweet out about how, you know, former winner here at the course, not the tournament. But um, arguably top one, top two iron player in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, again, a winner and not the highest price. Will probably still float around the 10% owned projected, maybe less, maybe single digit owned, which Morikawa, I'm not a huge fan of playing him. For some reason, I, I I agree with people that his putting is is a um, is a liability for him. Yeah, but sub ten percent, he's perpetually underowned. Don't you think? Uh, yeah, I do, and I I mean I think it's also one of those weeks where there are twenty one uh, twenty to one twenty two to one bets out there, and people might just get their Morikawa exposure that way and not play on on DraftKings. But I mean it, it it's the same story with him like I mean every week you just need to catch him on the right putting week and it's not it's not easy to predict it's not possible to predict when that's going to happen. Uh but I'll take my shot here on a course that he's won on. He has putted well here before and his ball striking last week was actually strong. He just he lost like five strokes putting again. Uh, I don't think people are going to start. We said this last night. I don't think people are necessarily going to start in this high range 10 and above. I think that mm-hmm. there's too much Cam Youngness, too much Zalatornis, uh, Shane Lowry. They are going to command yeah. the top three probably ownership, and they're expensive. And I I see people having two or three of those guys in every one of their lineup, which leaves out the ability to have a ROM, which I think he's sub-15, probably going to be lower than mm-hmm. where he's projected, I would imagine. Um, I um, think so. 
I think you're right. I think um, if people pay up, Rory seems like the guy who they're going to. Uh, we talked about Xander. He's going to carry some ownership, but probably won't push 20. And then you didn't even mention Spieth, who of those 9K guys, I would not be shocked if he was the highest of all That's of them. crazy. So, yep. Like, I think you're going to see a lot of people go like Spieth and Cam or Spieth or Cam and then add, add in Lowry. And I mean, you can even add like a Fitz or Zaltoris in there. And then and you get two-time winner Cantlay. <laughs> just uh, like 12%. Well, it's, so like think about Cantley, which is weird is he's bad. when you come back to Cantley courses, he usually becomes popular, but he's also, he's also normally underpriced. Like we saw at the PGA, he was what? 9,100. Yep, yep. That's why he was shocked. Now he's 10, seven. Um, so he's right. not going to get up there where he should be either. Absolutely not. And so um, I think that in the, I think Cam Young has a cult rightfully. So he's top five. It seems the last 10 events in a row. Uh, he's a big time TD green driver of the ball and you know, he's kind of proven himself. Uh, he's getting very close. He's sub nine. He rounds out a lineup really well mm-hmm. with, with good players. And you, and here's the thing, you don't have to dip down in the sixes to make a really good lineup in the nines with Cam Young work. And so I think that the, the opportunity here is maybe have one or two higher price guys. And then if you can find it, there's just not a lot yep. in the sixes. You mentioned one last night, and we'll go to that in a second. Uh, but I think people start in the Cam Youngish, Will Zelatoris range. I heard a lot about being Victor Hovland week, and that narrative will probably catch fire. I think his ownership is probably going to get there. The other, the big one is for me is Matsuyama. Right? Where any Absolutely. health news? Yeah, I mean, I think he's fine. Uh, he hasn't been great. His first two rounds at the PGA were actually great. He was uh, ball striking the heck out of it and then just had a very bad weekend with his irons. And I think, again, you look long-term, you look at the course history and course fit, um, and he's probably not going to be overly popular. I seem like it feels like that's a great place to go. Um, so then we go to – well, I mean, if you look at top- – Top tee to green. That's basically a good model every week in terms of stats, especially for Muirfield. Fitzpatrick is up there. Rom is up there. Um, yep. Who's who's number one right now? I should know this. Uh, I'm just used to saying Justin Thomas, but he's not here, so no. Um, we'll get that in a second, folks. Our stat team, Dilatoris, of course. Yeah. Um, where are you with Fitz this week? He's frustrated. I don't know. You know, I, I I tend to stay away when he's popular. I, I I think he's I think he's cheap this week. Um, I would you know I would play him over a Chuck Lowry and a lot of I'd probably play him over Zalatoris as well, just uh, because we have just more information on on him and kind of playing this golf course. Um, I but yeah, I just don't think my build is going to lead me there. I'm I'm going to go up a little bit where you're going to get the studs that kind of lower ownership, and then uh, like you mentioned, there's a lot in the mid sevens through the eight K range. And, um, and, and they can't all be popular. Like, well, that's going to be popular. Homa might be popular. Neiman's going to be, but like people can't play them all on the same team. Right. So everything above, let's say Homa at eight, seven appears to be 15 to 20% owned with a couple of exceptions. Yeah. All right. And so people will that, play three of them. Basically. If that's the case, if that's the case, then where is the gap here? I mean, it's going to be, the sevens <laughs> yeah. and the low eights. And then yeah, I mean, there's a couple guys sprinkled in there. Like you look at him, it's going to be very low owned. Corey Connors, 
uh, probably there, answer. And so like, if you four, just yeah. want to do some kind of direct pivots there, I think those guys will all be four or five, 6% owned. I think the answer Neiman, well, Neiman's still going to be high owned because people yeah. love him, but you get burger. Now he burned people last week, mm-hmm. but then you, but you have here burger Connor's answer yep. all probably sub 10 and a price. I mean, now burger is what? 2000, 2200 less than can't lay. Yep. Huh? That's weird. Um, yeah. there need, is there a site that shows DK uh, historical pricing trends for players? Like, uh, graph, like linear graph? Yeah, there's definitely stuff out there. I, I don't really use that stuff just because, you know, it changes so much week to week. And like this week with Cantlay, it's, it's just the course history that's baked in there. Um, and I try not to be biased by, oh, you know, I paid 8K for this guy last week. And now he's 9,400. Um, but yeah, there's definitely stuff out there. All right. So then we go, then we go the sevens range. What do you like here? This is start to get, this starts to get. Yeah. Into, into I think the first decision you have to make is going to be Patrick Reed. Uh, great course history seems to have found his form again with the ball striking. Um, he obviously plays well here. I think he's going to be 10, 12, 13% owned, which higher for a guy like Patrick Reed, who hasn't been great for a long time, it's, it's questionable. But again, like if you're getting him in a lineup with like answer or Connors, like you're totally fine. Now um, we've got former world number one, Bryson. <laughs> yeah. Who won here at seven, eight sub 2% likely. How about that for a career? Yeah, I mean, again, if, if you're playing 150 teams, I, I think you throw them in five or 10 of them and, and you just take your chances there because if he is moderately healthy, he can top 20 this thing and is going to score enough, you know, with the par fives and things like that. Um, at the same price, if you just want pure safety, I, I think Matt Kuchar makes a lot of sense. Uh, past winner here, he's got probably the best course history of, of anybody in this range. And uh, has had a bit of a resurgence this year. A lot of it has been short game and putting, but that's kind of what he does. Um, so I would definitely take some chances with Kucher here. Wow. And I hate that guy, but like, I don't know. He's going to make the cut. He'll be in the top 30. It's pretty cheap. Yeah, Reed does have pretty good course history here. I do feel like, yeah. it's, a, uh, I do feel like it's a home a week. Yeah, it could be. I, I think, again, I mean, it's a long golf course on paper, but this play is like a glorified plotter's course. Like you have to play from the fairway uh, and, and you have to hit green. So like that's what Homa does. He's very accurate. He's probably a top five iron player on tour right now. Uh, and that's what Matt Kuchar does. He's going to hit the fairway. He's going to find greens and he's probably going to make more putts than most of these guys. What's Siwoo Kim at right now? I've, Seven, you know, six, I, up 10. That's, I've he's heard enough. a little bit of chatter, but yeah, he, he's not going to be double digits or anything. I uh, think about Siwoo is like, he hasn't shown any upside this year. He's been making a lot of cuts, but he's going to finish what 40th or 50th or 60th. And like, I would rather gamble on like, I don't know, Adam Scott, Mark Leishman, just guys who are obviously not that consistent, but have top 10 upside. And your boy, Gary Woodland again, under seven, five. I know. I just, I just can't get him right. Like I play him. He misses the cut. I don't play him. He's tied for eighth. You know, he's just hard to get right. Um, are you are you out on your boy Norin? Am I out on Norin? I haven't decided yet. I but yeah, I just don't think my builds are going to go there. Like there are some plays lower that I like, and mm-hmm. I think I'm going to play Kucher and or Patrick Reed. 
Uh, I'm going to play Neiman. So yeah, that low to mid sevens, I'm probably just not going to land there. We have, I mean, I think Rom again, probably 12 and a half percent owned. You know that during COVID, it could be year, lower, especially like in higher stakes. Like you might see nine or ten percent wrong yep. again, and like the five, 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 and things like that. When he when he was leading this by nine and had the COVID, <laughs> yeah, um, I think he's back for revenge. Absolutely. He did, but it was a PGA Championship. He drove the ball really, really well. I mean, he drove it impeccably. He just got caught up in the bad wave. And plus, he just won. Like, let's not forget. Sure, Mexico wasn't a great field, but he did just win. So he did what like he's supposed he's to well. do. Right, exactly. Yeah. Uh, Cantley, on the other hand, just doesn't – he's not playing great. Yeah. Uh, all right, so then, like, you could peruse the sixes. Mm-hmm. These guys are probably priced appropriately. There's just not a Steel lot. Steele is the one guy who's underpriced, but – he is rightfully probably going to push, you know, eight to 10% owned. Um, the ball striking has just been off the charts and um, he's done it in, in good fields. He just finished ninth at the PGA. He finished 13th at the players. Um, if he's able to do that in those fields, like why can't he top 10 here as well? What did you read about him? Was it you who gave me that quote that sometimes he just doesn't care? Well, <laughs> I feel like you may have had that quote. He basically said, you know, that, when he plays a lot of weeks in a row, he gets tired. He's his best, like after a week or two off or like the start of the season when he's had a month off, uh, he doesn't like to play two, three, four, five weeks in a row. So. Yeah. 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 Yep. But like you talk about fairways and greens, he's one of the best drivers of the golf ball, very good iron player. And uh, he's not a good putter, but we've seen bad putters actually do well here. So. What yeah. about, uh, you said Troy Merritt last night, right? Yeah, I did. I kind of regret it. No, I think yeah, I mean, Merritt, he's been consistent. You know, he, he's made 14 of 17 cuts. Uh, he's played well here before. And he's one of the few guys here that I actually trust with a putter who can make birdies. Like, he's right. probably going to make the cut. Uh, he'll probably shoot one low round in there. And under 7,000, there's just not a lot of really safe options here. You cut out, but I assume that sounded pretty good. Here's the yeah. one I want. I want your commentary on. I know Eric Van Rooyen's going to burn me because I said he was the nuts, and he was not. He was nuts to be played. Yeah, but Tigala, I can't quit this guy, and he keeps getting cheaper. What does he do well? Um, I mean, when he's playing well, the uh, the iron play has been pretty good. Um, I think with a lot of these young guys, you know, what we see is their short games just aren't aren't sharp. Like they're not all as bad as Victor Hovland. But like, like even a guy like Neiman, we saw his first couple of years on tour, he was like 150th in short game and he figured it out. Now he's 10th in strokes gained around the green. Like that's the last piece of the puzzle. And I, I really think it's important he's, to scramble here. He's 10th or 110th? He's 10th now. Who? He went from 100, uh, Neiman. He Neiman. went from a, like 150th in strokes gained around the green every year. Yeah. And now he's top 10 and he's like what? 20th in chances. I tell you what, you know, I, you, we remember the tournament when Bone said, Neiman, and this is when he was 150th and terrible, in our opinion. Yeah. But Bones said he's one of the best on tour short game. And we, we looked at each other virtually mm-hmm. and said, what are you talking about? He's terrible. He yeah. was right. Stats caught up. Yeah. Yep, it caught up. I So these, well, I put on Twitter, like I said, if you have guts, you're going to join this. Because I didn't know if you could join today. So I had to scramble to get a podcast guest. 
And so two guys, Free Fowler and Jeff Riggs, not Riggs, Barstool Riggs, um, andied up and said they would join. So maybe they'll come in here for like five seconds and we'll grill them on picks. They may or may not show up. A little cameo. A little cameo. So uh, let's close out this segment. If they do show up, we'll grill them. Um, nothing. Is Grillo playing this week? <laughs> yeah, he's like 6,100 or something oh, crazy. I played, him, so I played him last week on on Sunday for showdown because the stats are really good and he shot eight over. <laughs> so that was my griot for the year. Uh, and then Kitayama, you mentioned him last night, right? Yes. I also played him Sunday and he shot six over. So I think there's a lot of guys down here. Like if you do want to jam a couple of studs, like there are guys here who have made a lot of cuts. Like, yeah, you look at Kitayama, you look at Svensson, you look at Marty Laird at 6,300. Like we've been playing these guys all year. And if you think they can make a cut and you want to like, Jam Rom plus Xander Rom plus Alatoris, like you can definitely do it. I think you should name the segment Jamming Studs. Jamming Studs. Um, <laughs> Ryan's Jamming. <laughs> okay, what is your? You haven't done in the chat group. You haven't done your mystery reveal. You know, secret play of the week, which is Norn on the PGA Championship, by the way. Who, yeah. Well, I mean, it, it honestly, it uh, it would have been uh, Brendan Steele this week, but I think he's just going to be too popular. Um, but as we talked about last night, for probably the first time ever, I'm, I'm picking Xander Shoffley to win a no. real live PGA Tour event. No. With a when's, cut and everything. When's the last time he won? A real event? Uh, like the Greenbrier five years ago? <laughs> he hasn't won a full field anything. He won the Olympics. He won a WGC. He won tournament he won, champions, yeah. championship. He, mm-hmm. he just won the Zurich with Cantlay. But like... He's back to playing a, a really good all-around game. And, and like when I look here at the guys who are here, I want someone who drives it long and straight and who also has a pretty well-rounded game. And like he's kind of the guy that I trust. Um, he's been in the top 15 here, I think, each of the last three years. So he can play here for sure. I think Zalatoris yeah. gets – I mean, this is where this is where Cantlay sort of had his arrival. Um and Jack anointed him the next great golfer. I think I think Zalatoris gets it this week. I hope so. I'm and at, I don't I'm think it'll be close. Yes. Yeah. And who's going to bomb? Who's who's the chalk that's just going to fail this week? Spieth. Spieth. Yes. Spieth or Cam Smith. Like I just don't think those guys drive it well enough here. And and you can't scramble the way that you can at places like Augusta. I mean, the rough is long. Uh, you have to have the right that's angle. A very good so point. yeah, Spieth and Cam gone for me why is spieth getting this amount of attention it's a good question i think he's just been kind of consistently good and uh and we've seen a lot of him like i think we talked about this last night too he's now played like four or five weeks in a row and i think people are just used to consistently seeing his name at the top of these leaderboards and he's cheap like there's no reason why he shouldn't be over 10k this week all right man the guy those boys didn't show up Absolutely unbelievable. Gutless. Gutless. Free Fowler yeah. and Jeff Riggs. Man, oh man. I was looking Banned forward for to life. Banned for life. I want to do some milkshake talk. Whatever. All right, man. Thanks hey, for buddy. thanks for clearing right, this up for this week. Yeah. On the Golflandia two sixteen podcast. Yeah. On the Wiley Golflandia Podcast Network. With your host Wiley seventy seven. Thanks to the thanks to the people who did show up and have the guts to say they'd come on. Uh, Riggs and Fowler both wanted to do it, but um, t- 
timing just wasn't right. So I yelled at them in the DM chat. I said, no guts. You have no guts. They've got guts, I'm sure. Riggs is a horse guy. Big time horse guy. Jeff Riggs, bearded handicapper. Look for Showdown Keg Riggs. Showdown King coming to the first Saturday in May, 2023. More on that too. I need to talk about that more. Let me have some success with this group and this horse. And then uh, I think there's a, I think there's a bigger play here to be a small owner of a big horse. Who knows? Later folks.
Mm-hmm.